just remove that one step or even delay it, what we found is that the free to paid conversion rate that they previously had stays consistent for that extra 30% of users. So if you just let them go into the product as soon as they sign up, you can have about 30% uplift in your MRR, uplift in your MRR, uplift in your MRR. Hello and welcome back to the Marketing Automation Discussion. I am your host, Alex Glenn, and today we are going to talk about user onboarding. I have with me a special guest, Mr. Wes Bush. Wes has just published the product-led growth book. Wes is best known for challenging the traditional way of growing a SaaS business. He has been featured in Forbes, the Huffington Post, and has lectured at Canada's top polytechnic college. He is currently the founder and president of the Product-Led Institute, and he is someone that has been recommended to discuss this with from multiple people in my groups. Today, Wes and I discuss and introduce the Product-Led Growth Methodology. We discuss his Bowling Alley Framework. We discuss automation and personalization throughout onboarding. We discuss email verification fall-off percentage and ways around the verification requirement. We discuss third-party enrichment tools to avoid more form fields in your onboarding process. We discuss why trigger-based emails versus time-based emails are preferred, what it means when perceived value is different than actual value during the onboarding process. And finally, we discuss an onboarding stack, what tools you should use to create this custom onboarding experience. Without further ado, let's dig in. Welcome to the Marketing Automation Discussion. Here's your host, my dad. Yeah, I'm back. First thing I want to know is really what's new with you besides the obvious. Yeah, so right now I'm chopping around and I'm in Chiang Mai. But I just launched my book on product-led growth. And so I've been really, really busy getting that out there. But I'm so happy to finally get it out because it's, Honestly, the one playbook that I wanted to have years ago to figure out how to grow a SaaS business. So I'm just so excited to share it with everyone. That's the elephant in the room, you know, the genesis of this conversation. I believe we got linked up by one of our mutual friends out there in Asia as well. Found out about the book coming out. I put this in the calendar immediately because this is a pain point for all SaaS founders or at least first time founders out there. Where do you sink the dollars? Where do you put the time? early on, after you raise around, what happens with growth and what really spurs the growth. So the product is so important in this mix and too many founders will put too many hours, too much money, too much time, resources, et cetera, into push marketing agenda, you know, and really not focusing enough on product. And one of the keys to product-led growth is onboarding. That's what we're gonna talk about today. What to know about onboarding, what's working, and we're gonna go into detail around some of your mentalities. That's a perfect segue into a quote I read in a recent article you published on LinkedIn, where you said, I teach SaaS leaders how to flip the traditional sales playbook on its head and ignite their growth engine with the product-led growth methodology. What is product-led growth methodology? Yeah, so product-led growth is really nothing new. I mean, 
let's say we're going to Costco or we want to buy a new t-shirt or we just want to, you know, buy a new pair of shoes. We just as humans naturally want to try the product before we buy it. It'd be silly to go to, let's say a Walmart uh, without even trying on a shirt or seeing if it is going to fit with you because then what's might happen is you have to go take it back and you just waste a lot of extra time. And so whenever it comes to software, the same thing is happening. People just want to look at your product, try it out, see if it fits for them. If it does, the chances of them buying it skyrocket. And so the thing that we're witnessing right now in the software space is that you don't even really need in a lot of cases, the traditional sales team to just brute force your way into market. Not at all. You can actually let your product do the majority of the selling for you. You can promise something on your website and then deliver on it in minutes if you know how to deliver on that experience within your product. And so I've witnessed countless companies, even the ones I've worked at myself, including Vidyard, just use this approach to growth and acquire thousands of thousands of users who are just interested in trying out the product and experiencing that value prop on their own terms without even having to talk to anyone in sales. I love it. I love it. So you mentioned a key aspect there is without having to talk to anyone in sales. So that means automation, that means marketing automation in this whole entire process. So when it comes to onboarding, the second question there is what is important more than marketing automation, right? So you mentioned automation, you mentioned obviously not having to get with a salesperson, but but what is more important than the actual marketing automation of this onboarding sequence? Yeah, I always see marketing automation, at least when it comes to onboarding, is a really great bumper. And so I have this one framework where the way I look at onboarding as a whole is a lot like bowling. So if we think of traditionally how you bowl, you all of us really want to get that uh, strike. And that usually involves um, throwing that ball down the center and knocking all the pins down. We, We get happy when that happens. But if you're just starting out, it's your first time playing bowling, what's what's most likely going to happen is you're, you're probably going to get that ball to go into the gutter. And so when we think about that, like how could we prevent that from happening in our product? Like if someone goes into the gutter, that's basically them just leaving, going and doing something else. They never come back to our product. Pretty sad scenario. And so you got to think about it in two different ways. If you want to have a successful onboarding strategy, you need to have two bumpers. So the first bumper, the most important one is to have a product bumper. So that's within your product, you're just guiding people to the key outcomes. So if I sign up for uh, a specific product like Calendly, like I want to set up my own calendar as soon as possible and then send it to a friend so they can book a time with me. That is the key outcome that I want to help people get to as soon as they log into that product for their first time. And then on the other side, let's say someone leaves the product, God forbid they leave your product. That's when you need your conversational bumper to really guide people, get them to that outcome. Like if they didn't actually embed a script on their site or something within the free trial, you need to send them using marketing automation to get them to do that specific item. And so that is really uh, important whenever it comes to marketing automation. But the reason why I say um, 
product bumpers are more important is just because if you can help someone become successful through just going through that initial product experience, you will most likely need a lot less uh, marketing automation to just power people through the experience. Because let's face it, if people are in the product and getting experience from the product and they're loving it, you need a lot less convincing to get them to come back. I love that. That is such a great analogy. It's so simple to understand. I love that framework. Thank you for mentioning that. It was a question we had later on, but uh, we knocked that one out. That's really great. And I want to know a little bit more about the multimedia facets of onboarding in the entire process. You know, where do voice and video come in? What are some good use cases that you've seen where founders or heads of product, heads of marketing will introduce themselves to their end-all be-all customers? by way of video or voice during the onboarding process. Yeah, so I have seen really good examples of video in onboarding. And if we think about as soon as you sign up for a product, it's almost like you're knocking on someone's house and saying like, hello, is anyone there? That's the way I kind of view the the whole experience. And so if you're doing it right, whenever it comes to your onboarding, you just want to welcome people and tell them like, hey, this is the product we've spent millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars building. And we're really excited about it because we've seen it help so many people. You're just trying to increase someone's motivation, get them excited about it, as well as tell your story. Like, why you? Why did you solve this problem? Why do you really care? And so I think video is just a really powerful way to form that connection with someone at scale because the fact that you, if you are leading with your product, whether it's your free trial, free model, some people might not ever talk to someone on your sales team. So you can still get that personal touch just at scale whenever you use video, as well as within the onboarding experience itself. Some things are just a lot harder to uh, write down and tell people how to do versus just showing them. And that's really at the the crux of product-led growth is you're just trying to show people what your product is all about versus telling them and spending hours and hours qualifying them and then telling them what the product is about. You just want to show them. So I... 100% believe in videos and having used them in tons of different onboarding flows for my clients, they work extremely well. Got it. And we talked about this use case video that I saw with the CEO of Sales Loft, an interview with him where he talked about an automation that triggers every time a new customer, I believe, signs. There is a trigger that goes off where it actually sends a link to a calendar from the CEO to the new client. When that client books, there is a notification that goes off on the CEO's desktop. It alerts them of a new Zoom meeting that gets scheduled. Uh, The CEO has a little bit of a room, a setup where it's a backdrop and a camera, and that camera is meant for any introductions to new customers that have just signed that have put themselves in his calendar. So it's an automation that goes off that puts these customers into his calendar to experience a Zoom meeting where the CEO of SalesLoft, which is a large organization, He will introduce himself in that meeting. He will have a 15-minute call where he welcomes them to the organization. And it's obviously as one-to-one as you can get in the onboarding process. And he's had tremendous success with it since uh, he started this automation. And he's been doing it even at scale. And I don't know how many customers that he has to do this with every single day. But you can imagine how busy he is. And if he's doing this and, and continuing to do this as they grow the company, That's just a perfect example of what I think a good marrying of marketing automation or sales automation in this case 
and onboarding and that one-to-one experience. So it is automated, but it's still very one-to-one. And this is something they find is ROI positive or they wouldn't be continuing to do this. And that's a perfect segue into the next question and kind of what we want to do for free trial customers versus paid customers. Let's go into a question that we got from someone in the Slack group, a private Slack group that we manage. Should you make users verify their email before a free trial? So the actual email verification that comes into your inbox where you get that screen where it says head back to your inbox and verify your email. And then when you click to verify the email, it drops you into the dashboard or the rest of the onboarding. Give me your two cents on um, that. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite questions to answer. And I so glad someone from your community asked it because it is one of the biggest areas that might not seem like a big deal to a lot of companies because this is standard protocol. A lot of people put in this process for these activation emails for security reasons. And so it's been validated. Someone, whether it's on the development or engineering team has validated that it's it's meant to be, it has to be this way. But I always like to challenge these companies because what I love to do is look at the product analytics and what you'll typically find if you require people to verify their meet email as soon as they sign up for their free trial or framing model, you are most likely losing 20 to over 30% of users who just don't even click that activation email. And so what often happens is that those people just never end up using your product ever again. They won't even sign in. There's a lost experience. And yet you have spent money often, a lot of the times, directing people to sign up for that free trial offer. And so you're losing about 30% of the people because of that one step. And having helped some clients just remove that one step or even delay it a little bit, what we found is that the free to paid conversion rate that they previously had stays consistent for that extra 30% of users. So if you just let them go into the product as soon as they sign up, you can have about 30% uplift in your MRR. And that happens for countless clients that I've helped. And it's, it's one of those quick wins that a lot of people can immediately implement. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, hey, I require people to verify their email, um, there's a couple of ways you can slice and dice it. You don't necessarily have to outlaw it, remove it completely altogether. You can also delay it. So let's say the second time someone has to log into the product, then they have to verify their email. So there's tons of different ways you can go about doing it, but I just recommend not requiring new users who just signed up for the product to verify their email because you're really killing their motivation. It's a conversation that I've been in many times like you. It's where you have engineering or product on one side, typically not product. It's it's typically an engineering push to get that verification because the argument there is you want clean data. You want to make sure that that is an actual email. You don't want that dirty data in your database, in your app. And that is the real push from engineering. It's just that dirty data. And then on the marketing side, you want that person immediately to experience the product and the product side. Typically product can go both ways, depending on who the head of product is and what their background is. But I've been in in rooms where that is a big conversation. It's like, okay, well, how much information, how much qualification how much verification do we put the customer through or the potential customer through before we actually let them into our product, into our database, right? 
So the argument is, okay, well, better customer experiences, let them play with the product as quickly as possible, let them experience that as quickly as possible, and then go through verification throughout the rest of the onboarding process or throughout the rest of the trial, whatever that is. And then uh, and then we, we can talk about this real quick. Do you do less information upfront, right? And we're talking about forms. If you can imagine the onboarding steps are maybe pages, maybe one long form, hopefully quality UI, mobile friendly, et cetera, that has different questions that you're getting from the user to get them into your funnel to do that initial qualification. But how much do you do upfront before you let them play around in your dashboard? Do you do less upfront and have less actual data from them before dumping them into the dashboard to play around? Where's the place where you say, hey, that's that's a little too much. You're probably going to bounce. What do you recommend? What is the mentality? What is the strategy there? Yeah. So whenever it comes to understanding, like what information do you need before someone can actually sign up for the free trial freemium model? If we think about like, let's strip away everything, like forget your sales team, pretend like it was just you wanted to optimize for the easiest experience ever. The only thing you really need is an email. And then you need the first name and you need the password. So there's really like those three things that you really do need in order to sign up for the product and be able to log in again. And so that is just the, the very basic part of it. But where I find a lot of companies really struggle is if you're in a, a very sales led organization, the sales team has a really big sway and they'll say oh we need to know their country we need to know their state we need to know all these details so that we can basically say all right tom you're talking to this person because they're in alabama and it's just really ridiculous because a lot of the times if someone gives you their email through third-party data enrichment tools whether you're using clearbit or another tool you can find all of this data and what's often true for a lot of customers is the fact that sometimes what people put in for some of those fields is just not accurate and a lot of the times and so if you want cleaner data more accurate routing for your sales team even by not asking those specific questions for the state for the country you can find that out by just running it through a third-party enrichment tool and so that's typically what i do recommend is just get rid of as many fields as you possibly can that you don't really need and just use third-party data enrichment for everything else. What would you say if I do not have the budget to do a clear bit enrichment on top of the forms? What if I do not have the money to add on any additional tools to my funnel? Would you suggest I just roll the dice, get name, email, some small information, uh, and then do the rest manually? Yeah, I would also kind of challenge, like, what is the, the cost of keeping all of those forms and adding all of that extra friction. I've helped companies that are over 500 million and they make everyone go through this really rigorous um, <laughs> three-step form process. It's pretty uh, intense. And they ask a lot of uh, form fields on it. But if let's say it even costs them a dollar to enrich all of those details and remove, let's say about 50% of those required fields, that dollar, if we look at like their average contract value, it's well worth it if they could squeeze in, let's say, an extra um, 10% conversion rate uplift by removing 50% of those form fields. So I would just, yeah, challenge anyone, whether you use Clearbit or some of those other great recommended tools you mentioned earlier, just think about what the cost of inaction is because 
chances are it's definitely gonna be a lot higher than what you're currently looking at for the enrichment. Awesome. So moving on, we have a couple of questions here on actual onboarding emails that are triggered by time. Let's go into that real quick. So time-based triggers versus action-based triggers. Why are time-based triggers killing your conversion rate? Yeah. So let's say you signed up for a product like Drift, for instance. And so let's say every email they sent you is all about um, just some marketing stuff that you could potentially do with the product as a whole. Like you might look at some of those emails and say, oh, okay, this is somewhat useful. But then they're saying, hey, um, Alex, have you done this? Have you done this in the product? Have you uploaded the script? Have you had your first conversation yet? And it gets really old very quickly. And after a while, you just start tuning out all the emails and you say, you know what? They don't know anything that's going on within this product. And so right now, especially when it comes to onboarding, you need to have trigger-based emails that say, hey, you didn't upload the script to your website. Here's the steps on how to do that. Here is the script that you need in your email. Just copy and paste it and then go to Google Tag Manager or go send it to your developer for them this email. You want to make it so easy for them to make that next step. And so within onboarding, if you want to be successful, you need to have trigger-based emails. Now, you can still have some time-based emails like your welcome email and a few others, but the majority of them, if you're doing it right, and this really comes back to the, the conversational bumper on the bowling alley strategy, if someone hasn't done a really important item like the example I gave before, uploading that script, you need to drive them back, get them back on that straight line on that bowling alley so they can knock the pins down and have their first conversation. Because without doing that one step uploading that script, the whole product's absolutely worthless. So it's really important that you catch people where they are in that experience and then help them get to that next point in the customer journey. So that's just the biggest reason why time-based emails really kill your conversion rate because they just don't help people as much as you could if you actually knew where people were in their journey. Let's talk more about the freemium and free trial onboarding versus paid. So you have paid plans on your site. Some people will just start paying you day one and they'll they'll go ahead and experience the product. Then you have lightweight free trials and you have onboarding for each. In a perfect world, you'd have hyper-customized onboarding for paid users versus the free trial users, and it could kick off day one. So maybe talk to us about some best practices around the frequency, medium, voice, tone, logic, timing of freemium onboarding versus the paid onboarding. What are some best practices? Yeah, so the biggest difference between the, the freemium and then the paid onboarding is just where the customer is at in the journey. A lot of people assume, especially when it comes to onboarding, that the person's a customer. And that could not be farther from the truth because someone who is just signing up for a free trial or a freemium a solution is just trying to test it out, see if they even like it, see if your product does what it promises you. And one of the things that's really um, interesting when it comes to freemium and free trial onboarding is 
you really need to deliver on the perceived value. So whenever someone's on your website or they even see, let's say, an advertisement about something that you're promising, that's that's the perceived value. But what makes the free trial and freemium model beautiful is that you need to uh, deliver on that experience value. And hopefully that perceived value is perfectly aligned with your experience value. If you've done that, you have absolutely created one of the best onboarding experiences possible. But typically, there's this value gap. And so that's when your perceived value is just a little bit off from your experience value. And now the bigger that is, the harder it is for you to really convert those people into a paying customer. And so um, that's really where the, the biggest difference is. Once someone's already paid, the expectations are often uh, a little bit lower, like they have already usually tried out the product in a lot of cases. And so that person you want to expand and help them understand the whole product. Whereas sometimes for freemium and free trial, what I'm trying to do in the onboarding experience is I'm actually trying to get them to try out less things in the product, but I want to help them understand or try out one specific thing that maybe it'll take them three to five minutes to set up, try it out, and then they can see the value of the product. They can see the, the promised land, but they don't understand the full products, especially for some companies that have multi-products. Um, that, that can take a while for people to really understand the full value. So I think for a, a paying customer, your main goal is really just to help them become successful at the entire solution. Whereas with the freemium free trial model, the biggest difference is that you're really just trying to optimize for what is that quick win? How can I really help them just understand that this product is insanely valuable and tempt them enough to really go to the paid solution? That's a great answer. Thank you. And the important thing that you mentioned there is that perceived value versus actual value. So you want to make sure that that's consistent throughout the product experience, throughout onboarding. Let's go on to mentioning any of your favorite tools that are included in this process. I know we've mentioned a couple, but let's let's talk to those people that are trying to put their stacks together. They are trying to figure out what tools to do the triggers with, You know, what tools to send the emails with. Uh, what chat tool to use. Let's talk them through some of our favorites, some of your favorite stack and how that stack kind of fits together and creates that awesome onboarding tool set that you'll need to make sure the customer ex experience is right on. Definitely. So as far as chat goes, I typically find tools like Drift, Intercom, they work really well. But if you want to tie it into your customer support, having a Zendesk integration or something is really, really powerful to just keep everything in one place if you can. And I find for smaller teams, if you are just using, let's say, Zendesk for your customer support as well as your website, that can be a kind of efficient tool to kind of kill two birds with one stone and still do a reasonable job on both of them. And then whenever it just comes to how you email users, it's a little bit different because you're really, when it comes to user onboarding, you're looking at how can I provide this really personalized experience that is tied to what someone does in the product. And with that, there comes a whole bunch of complexities. So you can't just you know, sign up for MailChimp and say, all right, MailChimp, <laughs> talk to everyone who does this in my product. It just won't work like that. And unless you do some heavy, heavy modification, <laughs> it's going to be a big old pain in the butt. And so the email platforms I really look for whenever it comes to user onboarding, make it easy to actually understand, all right, like what is going on in the product and how could I help someone 
go through this experience and really get to that next level. So for email, I always try and look for something that actually has product analytics in place. Because if it has that, it's much, much more easy to tell, all right, where in this journey can I provide the most value? For instance, back to that uh, bowling alley framework, if someone uh, really failed or they didn't actually upload that script onto the website, they're not going to understand the value of Drift or any other tool that requires that one step. It's just a useless tool unless you do that. So you need to push people back and prompt them to that next level. So for email, really find tools like customer.io, user list um, are really, really powerful to get people to the next level. And then for um, product onboarding, this is one of the things that back to the bowling alley framework with the product bumper is really important. If you want to guide people within your product, you need to, whether it's using tooltips or certain prompts to guide users, to really show them for that first time or second time they're on the product, okay, how do you actually use this product? Because without any help, what you're often going to find is that some people just get lost. They get into the gutter. They maybe go into the settings and get lost. They're scared by all the settings you have and all the customization, and you, you overwhelm them accidentally. And so some tools that are really great for product onboarding are tools like AppQs. There is also user pilot. There's um, so many, actually. There's Pendo as well. There's Gains IPX. And you can find a bunch of other tools as well in the product onboarding space. But it really just depends on what is your uh, price point. And so for that, I will focus on just like the tools that I found that are really kind of affordable for a lot of people. And AppQs is one of the ones that I found uh, quite a few of my clients are using right now just because they got a pretty simple pricing, whereas a lot of the other ones, um, when it comes to product onboarding, just like to hide their pricing because it's a little bit more expensive. And so the last part of this is just the product analytics. And so I already mentioned Mixpanel. Mixpanel is a really great tool. You can set up the freemium plan. You can still understand quite a bit with the freemium option. And then there's also Amplitude and Heap as well that I found really, really effective. Let's just go down the list one more time. And I may need you to reiterate the videos tools that you mentioned. I was taking notes, but what did you mention around the actual videos that you could put into emails? There's different tools coming up where you can create those message videos. and I'll, I'll have to dig some up for the show notes. But what did you mention around just kind of video messages to the users or onboarding videos, anything like that? Yeah. So one of the tools that I actually helped launch that I, I love, and it's got a freemium model as well, is Go Video by Vidyard. And so the good thing about tool, well, besides being free, so it's a no-brainer to try out, is the fact that it's so easy to embed in Chrome and Gmail. So you can really see, all right, who's actually opening this video? How much are they watching? And so (laughs) it could be a little depressing if you make bad videos, I would imagine. But (laughs) most times people are pretty willing to open up these emails and really see what you're doing. So in the use case of support, for instance, if you have a customer complaining, like, I just don't understand how to use this one part or how to do something, when it comes to onboarding, it's so much easier to just show someone how to do it. And so whether you use Go Video or a tool like Loom, um, there's there's lots of options out there to make really easy tools for yourself. 
I haven't used Go Video yet. I want to check that out. But the main thing here is you want to create a couple different videos. You want to have a UI UX type of a video. You want to show them how to experience the dashboard. So you may have a few of those, how to do different actions. So Loom is a great way to record your screen and yourself to give that uh, personalization to it. And it's free, uh, which is wonderful. Go Video, another awesome tool. Vidyard is just killing it right now, partially thanks to Wes and uh, and his efforts there. And uh, they've been doing really well. And um, yeah, so check out those. One thing about Zendesk, we did mention chat. Zendesk started as customer support ticketing, but since they've been developing their product and coming out with new features, benefits, around sales, around conversions, trying to compete with Drift in that respect. And they have a promotion right now, and I'll try to link in the show notes, where if you are under a certain size, I think it's under 50 employees that haven't raised your Series A, they qualify you for $220 a month credit, which is two seats of their entry-level product, which is plenty. Uh, for most startups out there. So I'll link to that in the show notes, product onboarding, Pendo, app queues, and, uh, and, and that, that whole system is, is meant to really create those custom guides and make sure that you're pushing people through the product with helpful tips and getting them the right information at the right time on the right screen, et cetera. Uh, based on their needs, based on their account level. Um, the analytics that um, Wes mentioned, Amplitude and Heap, what we're talking about is not your Google analytics, just you know URL-based analytics. We're talking about event-based analytics, pushing actual triggered events based on customers' clicks, based on where they dropped off on a form. Very, very detailed in-app analytics, and that's provided by uh, Amplitude Heap. I like CleverTap as well. I'm going to throw a link to clevertap.com in there because you can do analytics plus messaging with CleverTap and run really detailed segmentation on if then type statements in your analytics with a sequence push of a of an SMS or a web app notification or an in-app notification or an email. And some of these tools will provide the email. So I just want to get your opinion on this, Wes, while I have you. There's, you know, mentalities back and forth between using your chat customer support tool for this onboarding messaging, right? To where Intercom or Zendesk and Drift even has their version now, but where those tools are pushing your initial customer communication versus your marketing automation suite, your autopilots, uh, these tools, your user.coms that may have those sequence-based emails. What do you recommend when a customer comes to you and they say, oh, well, I have a MailChimp up, you know, I'll just push the trigger to MailChimp and, you know, I'll send a sequence in MailChimp. You know that they have Intercom, they're paying for Intercom. Let's talk specifically because I think that's the biggest one that I see a lot is, you know, they have some sort of simple automation tool like MailChimp and then they have a more robust chat tool that they may not even realize or have not played with the email side of that chat tool? What do you recommend and what are some best practices? Yeah, and so this is probably going to be a pretty boring answer to you, but I would just recommend working with what you have. I think a lot of people are always trying to seek out like, oh, this tool is a silver bullet. I need this tool. But like you mentioned, there is a lot of overlap within a lot of these tools. For instance, you could use Mixpanel to send some emails. You could use Customer.io, UserList. You could use Zendesk or even your intercom or Drift options. And so given that there is so much overlap, like if you have one of these options already, just try and use it to a better degree. And so just stick with what you have. Don't overcomplicate it. Just get started 
in one way. And you'll quickly soon realize that by using trigger-based emails in some capacity, even if it is painful to initially set up, you'll start seeing quick wins and maybe investing in a like specific tool for that will make a lot more sense at a later point. But if you're just getting started, just focus on the one tool that you already have and see if that has an option to make it work. Awesome. Well, you know, I think we covered the bases here. I think we got some great information across. So thank you so much, Wes, for the time today. Let's go ahead and leave everybody with a call to action. Where can they get the book and how can they keep in touch with you? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Alex. So if you want to learn more about the book and the Bowling Alley framework and some other frameworks to really take your onboarding to the next level, you can find the book at productledbook.com. And then if you want to find a little bit more about me and what I'm up to, just go to productled.com. Thank you again, Wes, for the time today. And I look forward to connecting and learning more from you in the future. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Take care.